My name is Felicia Danani. Hi, and I'm Shivani Malhotra. As two Indian women, one born in the U.S. and one born in India, and both of us from culturally charged backgrounds, we came into our marriages with the intention not to fail. But when we were faced with reality, we had to look inward. Our motive is to deconstruct generational cycles and conditioning around divorce. Divorce is not an ending, but a change in the relationship. It does not have to follow old stigmas. It can be whatever you want it to be based on your intention. This is our life guide to a conscious divorce. Welcome to the Lioness Pride podcast. Hi, welcome to episode five of the Lioness Pride podcast. Last week, we had my friend and mindfulness coach, Farhana Qasim, speak about her journey and how a big part of that was unraveling all the layers of conditioning that kept her hidden, her true motivations, passions, and beliefs. Today, we want to really address this elephant in the room. It's a tricky subject to speak about when talking about beliefs and belief systems. When I think of conditioning, I think about how concepts spoken thousands of years ago can still influence the whole inner reality of nations and people. One single word, misspoken, can have such drastic consequences for many in many situations. So Felicia, how have you come to understand the subject on a personal level? Um, how have you seen it influence the way you have navigated, you navigated your marriage and the value maybe you assigned to those beliefs unknowingly and how you may have projected them on Andrew? Yes, so this is such a loaded topic for me because um, once, you know, I was able to step out of the marriage and and had time to um, uncover all of the beliefs and conditioning that I was following that I then realized were to the detriment of my relationship, it was was eye-opening for me. So... Um, I want to just start by by what I believe conditioning is um, and what I've learned it to be through my experience. And, and it's really any outside expectation. And this can come from family, community, um, society, you know, whatever country we live in, religion, parents, family members. It, there's so many areas, our school systems, that inundate us with this, these expectations. But it's expectations that create a, like a pressure that block out our true nature. And that's where we talk about conditioning that it in turn starts to block out who we really are. And it clouds our own belief systems in in which we start to not really know what we believe. So through my own personal process, and and as I started to uncover it and what showed up in my my marriage with Andrew, a big one for me was, um, was family and cultural conditioning. So again, from an Indian family, there's a lot of these kind of ingrained things that, for example, um, that if the family says we're having a dinner, you have to show up to the dinner. Um, Little things like if 
if you're not constantly talking to each other, you don't love each other. Um, this constant gray area of boundaries that were crossed all the time, but you believe, but that's just our family. That's just the way it is. Um, the infiltration of other people's ideas. There were so many for me. Um, but some of the ones that really stuck out, and again, being married to somebody who was not Indian, um, really shines a light more so on these expectations that I felt to be a good daughter, right? So I felt like I have to be a good wife and I have to be a good daughter and I have to be a good sister. And, and in doing that, it was trying to meet everybody's expectations. Um, and in that process, I didn't look to foster the relationship as it was in the two of us. And in doing that, I lost, I didn't even know what my own voice was. I didn't know what I believed to be true, what I believed to be a good wife and a good partner. I was just always, so for example, some of the stuff that um, came up for me were boundaries, boundaries with my family. So not being able to say, no, we're not going to come to this outing or to this dinner um, because I have a partner that may not want to do that. And so feeling like we can't say no. And for him, he was like, yes, you can. You're a grown up. You can say no. And I was like, oh, no, they're going to have their feelings hurt. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like, that's OK. So I it was so hard for me to understand that concept of breaking these what we call family traditions and these patterns that we've built within our nucleus Um and, and no room for evolution and no room for another perspective um, that I can now see from the outside to have a partner walk into that was like, man, that, I mean, th that's exclusion right there. Um, and that was very eye-opening for me. Um, another big one that was not necessarily, this was sort of my own childhood upbringing conditioning, but um, always feeling like everybody else's needs come before my own, which a lot of women suffer from, right? I'm a mm -hmm. people pleaser and not, you know, kind of going, I'm just going to keep the peace. I don't want to rock the boat. It's okay. Um, everybody else's feelings are more important. And in doing that, I continue to block out my true nature, my voice, who I was. And then all of a sudden I would explode. Like something would happen and blow up. And then of course, on the other side, my ex would be like, what the fuck? What, why are you like, what's just happened? And that build up. And that was a constant process that um, I, I couldn't even understand it till I got out of it and, and understanding and, and then going, I never made space for myself. I was waiting for somebody else to make space for me. I was waiting and I would always say, there's no space for me in this relationship. There's no space, but it's because, I mean, rightfully so, he's going to take up his space. And I never created the space for myself um, because I was taught women don't need space. 
you do it, you know, you, you follow, you can, you can have a voice. And, and I feel like that was more in personal relationships. I was better at it in my professional life. I was better at being vocal and, and taking up space and being a little bit more um, commanding of myself in that arena. But when it came to personal relationships, family relationships, I became very subservient in some respects. Yeah, and I think what you just said rings true for so many people because what I heard you say is this this feeling of being torn literally between the expectations of society on one hand and your tribe or your, you know, group, which we are at the end of the day social beings. So that that need to conform very much is there inbuilt in us, right? Yes. So many thousands of years of, of genetic, you know, um, what's the right word? Yeah, it's, it's Genet- passed down. It's passed down, exactly. It's passed down to us. And, you know, when you go through this process, immediately you start to, you have a little bit of the blaming of, you know, all of these different groups, right? So you're family and society and this and like you taught me this and you made me but then you have to sit with it and go it was passed down to them right it's been passed down for so and where does that stop right I think at some point like you get to that tipping point and you feel what are the costs and benefits of me conforming to these external standards And then when you answer that question, it becomes pretty clear that the costs are pretty high, right? What do you stand to lose? Yes. And and that was a big reality check for me because I didn't necessarily understand um, how deeply ingrained they were and and what can be lost. And what can be lost? um, I mean, obviously I look at now and I can sit back and say, I mean, our relationship, so many of the problems were based on our inability to communicate past the conditioning because I couldn't see it. He had his own conditioning that we just, we, and again, when you're in it, it's, it's sometimes more difficult to navigate unless you do this work, which is also very possible. And I'm sure would be a great process, but, um, and not only that, but you, you lose yourself. More than anything, more than any other relationship out there, you lose, you know, we all talk about this. I've lost myself in the relationship, but, but really the relationship is the mirror that showed us, but we started losing ourselves way back when, right? Like we started, it's Mm -hmm. these, when we're little kids and told like, be a good girl, don't speak out of turn. Don't, you know, girls don't yell, girl, don't do this, don't do that. And that that kind of repetitive brainwashing, essentially, that started young. And that loss of self, that covering of our true nature didn't start in the relationship. It's just, it's that mirror that we talked about right. in other, in the previous episodes that show us that's the beauty of these relationships is we can't see these things until someone goes, Hey, look, <laughs> what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we stand more than anything to, to lose our essence and who we are. So well said. I so, totally agree. 
So Shivani, for you, how have these expectations and and, uh, conditioning, how did they contribute to your marriage? And now, you know, having been out of it and, and having so much realization, how would you address these in new relationships? Right. So, you know, in terms of conditioning, you know, I do hear from people, they say, oh, you're Indian. It must be hard being a woman given the culture. But I have to say that for me, I, I, I see that as a stereotype, that comment, because that does not apply to me or what I experienced. I did not grow up with parents who indoctrinated me in any way, um, either spiritually or as a woman. I really was given a lot of freedom. But I think beyond the culture, beyond the family, I think obviously the culture, um, you know, it really does play a big role in your condition to follow a certain path. And I guess without really asking ourselves is that if that is really what we aspire for. So you're just kind of doing these things because, you know, everybody's doing them. For instance, I felt pressure to start thinking about getting married in my 30s and having kids by the time I turned 40. And these were just things because there was this societal pressure that you feel, oh, this is what I have to do. And so you don't even think about it, right? And the marriage contract itself, wow. (laughs) I wonder how many people even stop to think for a minute that marriage is a contract that two people sign with a state or government body. And that has some serious implications on your rights and freedoms. I don't think people even think about that. No, it has nothing to do with love. (laughs) There's no love in any of that contract when you sign those papers. I came across um, this lawyer, divorce lawyer, actually. His name is James Sexton on another podcast. And he wrote this book, If You're In My Office, It's Already Too Late. And he says he wishes more people would come into the lawyer's office before they get married Mm. to find out what exactly you're signing up for versus coming in when you want a divorce. You know, and I thought that was so interesting. He also said that if you look at at marriage itself as he calls it a technology. And he says, is this a successful technology? Let's just evaluate that for a minute. So you take the 53% of people who are divorced. That's already a very high number. You add to that the percentage of people who are staying together because of the children. You add to that percentage of people who are staying together for religious reasons. You add to that the percentage of people who are staying together for financial reasons. And that percentage is probably conservatively up at 80%. Conservatively. And so his question was, would you rate this technology as a success? Probably not. Like if there was an 80% probability of you getting hit by a rock when you walked out your front door, you would probably think many times before you did that. Yeah. You'd probably get a helmet or you would probably take out some insurance or you, you know, yeah, you would think about it, but we don't even think about it. We don't even think, we don't ask, we don't question. And I think that has a lot to do with the way we 
been programmed and conditioned um, by society, you know. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. And and we step into these roles that we've not necessarily been prepared for or taught how to navigate. And then you add children into the mix. And now you're then imparting all of this, all of these systems, these belief systems that you don't even know are part of you. And then passing it on mm-hmm. and let it, let the cycle keep going. It's- and all in the name of doing the right thing and being a good being a good person and, and, and being successful, right? If you get married at 30 and have two kids, you're successful. Exactly. If you don't, you're not. Right. I know. And where did that even come from? That's, it's so crazy. So what I have learned is that I definitely do believe in the value of commitment and the beauty of exchanging vows and the ceremonial aspects of two people getting, you know, exchanging those vows, but I really don't think I would ever jump into a legal arrangement ever. Mm. After just looking at it from this perspective, it just makes no sense. And it's very, and it's interesting, right? I know the both of us had have had to overcome the conditioning of the concept of divorce is not a failure. Um, And divorce doesn't have to look the way that it's been painted for us in standard society. And so, you know, it's a constant process. Um, I think this is what becomes interesting is that even when we uncover belief, you know, belief systems and we go, okay, I'm starting to feel that that's not in line with me and this is something I'm more in line with and you walk that path, there's still belief systems within that. And Mm -hmm. so I think the beauty of it is to just have that awareness that this is going to go on um, as as part of our life and and you almost just see the enjoyment in it um, and then they can also change, right? Like they can also adjust um, as we Right. And that's, that's the beauty, right? It's this process. And, and just the moment we can, I think this whole concept of labeling things as good and bad and assigning value, some things more value than other things, it really gets us into a big mess because there's so much to life that we, we don't know. And we're constantly discovering every moment. And if we could have that very open, curious uh, perspective to anything, even if we've been told, even if I've been told, hey, this is uh, you know, a, a, a spoon, can I investigate this for myself or a raisin? Like I'm just popping it in my mouth without a thought that I've given it a word, it has a word, and now I assume all these things about it because of the languaging even, you know? It's so crazy. It's such a it's, it's such a crazy topic. This one, it, yeah. And you know, we you do. And and one thing is, it's like question everything. Mm-hmm. And and I think you hit a very key topic to to take out the good and bad, right? Those labels. So, um, for example, like even in parenting, right? Like we've got belief systems even for our children and how we might parent, but. It's because we believe if we don't do this or we don't teach them this, 
we're a bad parent. And if we do teach them this, we're a good parent. And you almost have to stop and question and go, wait a minute, why? Why do I think they need to make their bed every morning? Why do I believe this is something that's necessary? Is it really necessary? Right. What would happen if, you know, like, uh-huh. so that that curiosity and that investigation process is what I believe is is the essence, right? Because you're not always going to have the answer, Absolutely. but just posing the question. So, and again, some can get trickier than others. We might be going up against family values. We might be going up against religious values. We might be going up against, but if you can step back and say, it doesn't make me a bad family member or a bad, you know, member of my community, just questions, just curiosity. Yeah. And, you know, recognizing conditioning can be tricky. It's so deeply ingrained in us. How can someone begin to decipher what is conditioning and what is truth? And isn't um, belief itself a form of conditioning since kind of the moment we choose one side of the coin, we're kind of denying the other? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, to, to, you know, continue on what we were speaking about, it starts with just the act of curiosity and the act of questioning um, and, and sort of taking that word um, you know, having beliefs is an attachment to yourself. It's an, a label. I believe this. I believe in this, you know, political party. I believe in this. I believe it. And that starts to to segment. To polarize. And polarize ourselves. If we can walk into life and just with awareness, um, ask questions. And, and as we question, we start to recognize how we feel about it, right? So for example, how do I feel about, you know, the institution of marriage? So like for me, I would say, I love the idea that two people can spend their life together. Do I think two people can grow together? Do I think two people can grow their entire life together? That brings me more anxiety. Like I start to think, I don't know if that is a true belief for me. So as you go through this process, you start to go, do I really like that concept? Is that just something that's been ingrained in me from Disney movies? Is that something that's just like, and and so you start to, as you question, for me, it's also recognizing how your body physically feels and taking just notice. Not good, not bad, not one or the other. Um, and really going, what is your truth? What is true? The truth should feel airy. It should feel like freedom. Um, I know, again, I mentioned you and I both had to go through that process of breaking the conditioning of the concept of divorce and what that meant, um, not for other people, but for ourselves. And I know for me at the beginning, it was hard. It was hard for me. Even if I said it, it's not failure. I believe it. Part of me, I still had difficulty like signing papers, going through that process because I had to feel it. I had to feel the freedom and believe in it and truly. And then it wasn't until I could truly let go 
of that conditioning that I could take that step. And I mean, people are like, I don't understand. Why, why, what's the holdup? Why haven't you done it yet? And it's like, I don't, I don't know. And that's the answer. A lot of times, I don't know. I'm still working through. I know in my head, there's no chance of it changing. I just, I don't know. And, and that's okay. That's the process. It's not about having a finite answer. It's about being okay with not knowing and finding comfort in going, still learning, not sure, working through it. So true. And once I think you create that for yourself, then you don't buy into to the pressure anymore, right? Because now that, you know, you don't, the fact that, okay, now you're a divorcee, that is not, even though society may have its opinions on that, you're not buying into that because you have your own truth. Right. You're right. And I think that's the beauty of, as you go through the process, you start to get closer and closer to your truth and you start to feel that. So then, yes, you're less affected by, you know, other people's belief systems and other people, you know, everyone's working through it. So you're just less affected by it. Mm -hmm. And, and you feel yourself becoming more grounded in your own light, in your, your own essence. And more authentic as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So Shivani, as a mother, um, how are you working on breaking these conditionings and these belief systems for your daughter? And this is where I have difficulty. So I would (laughs) love to hear your opinion. How do you then manage those boundaries that you're creating and, and, and sort of a new way of doing things? How do you manage that with family members who also are helping in the upbringing of your daughter? Personally, I'm trying to be very careful with the words and my languaging. Like I mentioned before, languaging can be so polarizing. Mm -hmm. So just being aware of that and trying my best to avoid labels and defining things as good and bad. And and also watching what she's picking up and the kind of languaging she's using and just trying to bring awareness to her as well to some of these universal truths versus what is more, I can say, man-made in a way or constructed okay. by humanity. So I think educating her and just bringing that awareness to her as well. I'm trying to instill in her a sense that we are all equal, that we all have souls, that it's important for her to pay attention to her intuition and what it's trying to communicate to her. And she is beginning to understand the difference between emotions and thoughts and intuition. She understands, you know, that she has a monkey mind and that she is not her anger. And people are all different, yet all the same. I share this analogy with her of a garden with many flowers. And, you know, I ask her, and I ask her, I said, Mila, you know, they're, they're tulips and they're roses and they're sunflowers. They're all these beautiful flowers. And I said, do you think it would be silly for a rose to try and be a tulip? And she would say, yes, mommy, that's so silly. <laughs> you know? So in these kinds of ways, trying to bring these concepts to life for her in a way that she can grasp and understand. And she gets it in that way. It's a, it's a game of repetition. I do see how she obviously does care about what her peer group might think and 
I just have to keep reminding her that it really doesn't matter what somebody else thinks and it really matters what she thinks of herself. Mm. And I know I have this really limited window of time in which to create this awareness before she reaches those preteen years and the peer group really does start having a much bigger influence. The other thing I, I think is a very important aspect to this as a parent is being a good role model. I think she's just going to learn a lot by just observing how I handle all these situations where we have to choose. We have to choose our responses to patriarchy and racism and classism and relationships, you name it. And it's really one of the most inspired life goals of mine is to be a mom that's present to her, guiding her and equipping her with some of the tools that I wish I had had growing up. Mm, beautifully said, beautifully said. And I agree with you. I think modeling, um, modeling is really one of the key ways because um, again, managing the boundaries become tricky because there's always going to be other people and you can't necessarily get everybody on the same path at the same time. Um, so it is always going to come back to how is my parent showing up or, or, you know, they're, they're going to get that exposure, but. 100%. You know, I've heard like older generations of women, uh, you know, say that, Oh, your husband, he, he called you a bitch. Oh, he just, you know, gave you a little slap. It's okay. Just forget about it. Right. It's not a big deal, you know, if that's the kind of languaging or if that's the kind of modeling that I'm going to show her, then this just perpetuates generation after generation. Yeah. And it really does take a lot of courage to say no, to say no. Absolutely. And um, I know for me, you know, we, we have a lot of similarities and some of the things we introduce to our daughters at a young age and these concepts. And, um, but also, you know, I think even little things, right. So it'll be like, um, you know, family members that if she's crying, Oh, Oh, pretty girls don't cry or things that, you know, and you hear this and what I have, I'm sort of at that point where I stop people right away and say, actually, we don't, we don't say things like that. She's, she's allowed to cry whenever she wants to cry. Um, and that has no reflection on, on what she looks like that that's irrelevant. Right. How so, are you connecting the two even? I, I, I don't so understand. I mean, these are some concepts, you know, people, people use, um, or you look so ugly when you cry. Why are you crying? Stop. So, um, and I'm very sensitive to hearing that because those are, that's languaging that I heard growing up. Um, I am sort of in the place where I try to be very um, deliberate in how I say it, but to make sure that I point it out to people that are around for often to, you know, of course I, you can't, the goal is not to change everybody, but the goal is to have some consistency in what she hears, especially because these are people she looks up to. These are people she highly respects and loves. Um, so that's always a challenge. Um, and sometimes they look at me like, what are you talking about? That sounds ridiculous. She doesn't understand it like that, right? Um, and of course, that's never their intention. Um, however, when we know more, 
we, you know, when we know better, we have to do better. And I think it's also about stepping up out of those comfort zones and going, I don't, I don't speak like that to her. And I really don't like that, that type mm-hmm. of verbiage and, um, and do bringing it up. And so she also hears being able to speak up about something that, you know, is important to me right. um, in a given situation. But it's such yeah. a process. It's such a process. It's such a rewarding process, though. It's it's just such a beautiful opportunity. I think we have as parents, if we can embrace that and look at doing things in a way that really give our kids a chance to have that sort of freedom and you know embrace life from a a view that's free that that they don't have to be tied down by all these crazy man-made creations of ideas and concepts and beliefs like this sochcast tune in for more with the sochcast app from the google play store absolutely you know i think as we grew up and again none of it being intentional but so many of these conditionings they just squashed our spirit right and it molded us right that was a word that was used a lot mold them into this mold them into that and and that's really how that generation did it and now going coming in with this concept of like you're going to allow and have this freedom to allow them to just develop into who they are. Um, of course, it pushes on certain buttons we have because there's a lot of times where you're like, um, of course, there's still discipline and there's still guidelines and boundaries. However, um, you're right. The words that we use, how we position things, our reaction to situations um, becomes to be their roadmap. But again, it's just a map. They get to go about it the way they want. Um, but we get to just guide them, right? We just mm-hmm. are a guide through this journey. And it is such a beautiful process to watch. Well, what's the practice you have for us today? Okay. So we are going to work on a, um, this is a take-home practice that is going to help people decipher um, how to go through the practice of, is this a belief um, or is this conditioning or where do I sit with this thing? So if you take a piece of paper, just pick one thing. And again, it can be as, as deep as your belief system around or what you believe about marriage, monogamy, anything, or it can be as simple as, do I need to wash dishes every night? Like, can I not leave a, a, a dirty dish in the sink? which is some household's belief. So wherever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but just pick one belief that might come up for you. Write that belief down. And then underneath that, write down why, why is this a, something you believe? Or why is this, a, what do you think is important about this, this belief? And then when you think about it, how does this make you feel? How does doing it make you feel? What would not doing it equate to? Would it equate to failure? Would it equate to being sloppy? Um, what what in your mind equates to that belief system when we're labeling them? And then write down what would happen if you didn't do it? What would happen if you didn't believe that? What if you believe the opposite of that? What would that feel like? And again, this is taking those steps of curiosity. 
you might come to an I don't know at the end of this. But this is really the start of questions to get closer to your own integrity, your own true self to decipher. And it can be step by step. And it's one belief, one conditioning at a time, um, not to bombard yourself. But when you get in the practice, you're going to, it's going to become more proficient in your life. And then the answers will get clearer and clearer and easier. And you'll get less, I don't knows and more, I feel like this. Um, and not, I believe this, but this is how I feel about it today. And that could change. So try this practice on. See how it works for you. Feel free to share your experience um, as you go through this exercise as well. Lovely. Thank you for that. So is that sort of trying to touch in with your intuition in a way? Yeah, starting to really tap into your understanding of the belief. So like, you know, why do we do something? Sometimes we've done, we do the same things over and over again. We don't know why we do them that way. Um, And it could be passed down. Um, You know, I remember being in college and I bought the giant tub of butter, the giant one, one person. And (laughs) I thought, why do I do this? Because we had this growing up. So when I went to the store, it's the first thing I reached for. Not even thinking through the process of, I can't eat this much butter in a year. Why would I do that? But it was so habitual because I saw it in my fridge for so many years and I didn't even, I didn't even consider another way. I didn't consider it because I never got curious until I stopped. And I was like, what, this butter, what am I doing with this? Like somebody (laughs) asked me, why do you have this enormous thing? And I had to think, I don't know. And then I was like, I do know because that's the only thing I saw growing up. That's what was modeled for me. And I never questioned a different way. You know, in the yoga sutras, there's this concept of avidya, which I'm sure you know, being a yoga teacher as well, which is called illusion. It's all the ways we don't see clearly. And one of the ways it encourages us to start seeing clearly is to before we can say something is true or not, is just to stand back and say, okay, have I experienced this to be true? Have I, okay, fine. Even if I've experienced it to be true, can I investigate it a little deeper? And then in in my investigation, does it still hold up to be true? And then would an expert, would they come by and say, yes, this is true as well? So when you kind of, get yes on all three of those boxes, then you can, with some level of confidence, say, yes, this is true. Till then, it's, it's open to investigation. And there's this beautiful kind of analogy that, that is also shared of, if it's dark at night and you go into your backyard and you see something all coiled up and you jump to the reaction that it's a snake and that's going to set off a whole bunch of other reactions in your mind and body. And, you know, then somebody comes along and turns on the light and you realize it was the host pipe and not a snake. Right. So that you, of course you're going to feel foolish in that moment, but that is what we do so many times in, in, in life. That's just a simple example of a Vidya 
But that happens so many times where we just jump to conclusions because mm-hmm. it matches up with some experience or memory of the past. And we just immediately label it and decide what it is, decide how we feel about it before actually investigating with curiosity and openness and without judgment. Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Well, so that's what we want to leave you all with today. Thank you as always for joining and join us again next week where we will have two special guests with us to talk about emotional intelligence and why it's so important to understand your emotional landscape and become smarter with your feelings. So until next time, stay blessed. Hi everyone.